The Echo Chamber, brought to you by The Homes Report and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers. Sponsored by The Bullet Group, putting you in tomorrow's conversations today. And welcome to the Echo Chamber. I am Diana Marzalek. I am senior reporter at the Homes Report, and I am here with Cheryl Overton, president of Igami. Hello. Hello. It's nice to be here. We are broadcasting uh, from location. That's right. Here at the Wing, which is maybe you can explain it to me a little sure. bit. It's a women's uh, the women. The Wing is a women's club. We are at the Dumbo uh, location in beautiful Brooklyn on a sunny day, right smack dab in Women's History Month. So no better location than for two chicks to talk Doesn't about get better things. than That's that. Right. <laughs> Doesn't get better than That's that. Right. So let's, um, tell me a little bit about Igami. I know it's a, a multicultural marketing company. It sure is. Uh, Igami Group is a full service agency. We are, uh, we started as a PR uh, agency, but we do it all under one roof, from experiential to strategy and planning to media buying. We've got it all under one roof, and our specialty is multicultural audiences. And for us, that is African-American, Latinx, LGBT+, uh, Asian American, women, uh, veterans, people with disability. Um, and once you start to categorize it that way, it's everybody. The it's list the is world. long. It the is. List, it keeps getting longer, but the, guess what? That means everybody. You know, Every, Everybody is. is identified with a culture or a community. Um, and what we do that we do differently than we think anyone else is we know how to engage and connect with multicultural audiences through purpose. Our lens is always purpose. And for us, that is um, using the passion points and the pillars of community. Um, it's really about what space can I take up in their lives from a community standpoint, from a cultural standpoint, like the in the nuances, the insights that make them them. Mm -hmm. um, and, and cause. It, and cause doesn't necessarily mean corporate social responsibility or not-for-profit. It means what are those issues, what are those values that get those communities to lean in a little harder. We exploit all three of those in our marketing programs and we think it helps us come up with the big ideas. Understood and very interesting, but yet we're here to talk diversity and diversity in the PR industry is not the same as multicultural marketing. That's correct. Right. That's correct. That's correct. Although are we looking for diversity to implement multicultural marketing or that would be a great way to, to, to go about implementing it. But I think that when we talk about diversity and inclusion, mm -hmm. um, and when we talk about multicultural marketing, I guess I would think of them both as living on a continuum, but diversity and sort of having an inclusive environments ourselves um, as workplaces is one thing. We also do this on behalf of clients um, yes. to, to help them know how to create and communicate about their own environments being more culturally equal, diverse, and inclusive. And then, of course, on the other end, if we decide that we want to market to those agencies, I think that's what multicultural marketing is. The two really should not be used um, interchangeably because they are different. Absolutely. Now, Diversity and inclusion is the topic. Everywhere you go, every conference you're at, it's diversity, yeah. inclusion, diversity, inclusion. What do you see as diversity? How do you envision a truly diverse industry? I, in a truly diverse industry is around cultural, cultural diversity, but it's really around diversity of thinking as well. Yes. Um, it, it, it is almost that sort of, it should look like the world that 
I think people, and I'll say this, people of color walk through. Okay. And the reason why I say that is because you very much have, you might have your bubble or your circle that you're, you know, maybe we all do. circle we all do. But we, to engage in this world or in this country, we've got to bring other cohorts into the picture, whether it's where we work, it's where we live, it's how we commute, whatever. I think a truly diverse culture probably more mirrors that when you have others, constituents who represent different Socioeconomic, ethnic, religious, age, gender, you know, sexual cohorts, you all of those people sort of represent the world that you're walking through on any given day. That would be a truly diverse culture. Is it possible to obtain that? That's uh, <laughs> a tough one. I don't know. It's a tough one. I you know, possible is one of those great words. I mean, of course I want to believe it's possible. Right. Um, is it a challenge? Is it is it representing a sea change? For us to get there, yeah, um, I think we're still working towards it. I think that there are some historical barriers as to why we haven't achieved it. Um, Such as? You know, I think about the history of, you know, when we talk about African Americans, for example, in this country, I mean, there's just sort of the history of how we came to this country. Yes. Like, so even though that's more than 400 years ago, it still impacts today. If you were categorized as less than a human, Despite laws, despite us having had a black president, I hear that all the time. Oh. Um, these are these are things that are threaded throughout our collective DNA as a country as to why we are set back sometimes. Yes. So it's hard to make up for that, even in one or two or three or seven generations, if it's endemic. So that's one reason why it might not be an easy fix. I understand that, and that's... Um, we're looking at a particular industry, that's but right. that's looking at schools, that's looking that is, at it impacts it. neighborhoods, yeah. other industries. I mean, this is still part of a greater societal problem. That is. So the question is, what can a PR agency there you do? Because <laughs> you know? yeah, you're right. I, I, and, and certainly it's not our industry's um, responsibility to, to cure social evils. If no, you but, it, but we have to work our way around we them if we're going to integrate an industry, right? Yeah, we really do. And I think one thing, I think, A, we've done one thing that is very heartening, which I never even heard our industry talking about as much even 10 years ago. There is this sort of, this year our goal is around everybody's saying it, you know? Yes. And so hopefully if everybody's saying it, they're really meaning it. There's a plan around it. There's an investment around it. There are ambassadors and voices they're putting out to, to help make it so. Let's hope it's all the intention matches the action. So that's one thing. Um, but how do we do it? Well, talent is one thing. You know, how do we bring in diverse talent on a consistent basis to the organization and at all levels? Well, let's start with that. Because a lot of the, the, the conversation in the industry starts with recruiting. Mm -hmm. And everybody says go to, you know, recruiting should start at the historically black colleges uh -huh. and universities, mentorships, although then you get into the question that there may not be that many mentors available. Uh -huh. um, where can we really recruit? And considering the diversity that you're looking for mm -hmm. or the diversity that exists, where do you see recruitment? going? I think all of those places are great. I think the, the recruitment, though, isn't just, um, you're not just recruiting to bring people in at the junior ranks. Yes. We have to recruit at all levels. And re the reason why that's particularly important um, when we talk about making a more inclusive environment is you need to recruit people who can actually make a change, who will have decision-making authority, who will be in a C-suite where they can make it a company policy and actually tie it to business metrics or bonuses or things that really mm -hmm. impact the company. So. Recruitment is great, but we can continue to bring young people who want to grow up and inherit this business, 
but that's not going to make the change quicker. So I think we need to look at not just recruiting from schools, fresh out of school folks. We need to recruit from other agencies and other industries. We have to look at what are some of the skills that are important, whether it's analytics, whether it is content creation, whether it's strong writers. Maybe we're not picking people who specifically grew up in this industry. That doesn't mean they can't make an impact in this industry. Well, especially now as the industry is becoming increasingly diverse in what it's offering and what the people and in the required. agencies are doing That's is right. that it is feasible that you could go to could. tech companies. That's right, and get like the right talent. You or know? writers or yeah. whatever it is, entertainment. Yeah. And um, But are, are agencies ready to do that? They should. I think some are. I mean, I think you see some hires um, where people are hiring, you know, somebody who might have come from, you know, a studio or something like that. I mean, I think we're dipping our toes into being a little bit more expansive into where we fish for talent. I think we'll have to continue to do that to find that that experienced talent, not just fresh out of school folks. And by no means should we stop recruiting out of schools. Um, we need to make sure that we're showing that this industry is a viable choice for young people, young people of color in particular. Um, they should see that, wow, it combines all of the best of the things that they want to do. But I think we need to look at recruiting more holistically. We've got to bring in people who are at a decision-making capacity to really make change. Yes. So after the hiring process, though, becomes something a little more nebulous, which is inclusion. Uh-huh. And inclusion, What? how do you define inclusion? Feeling included, having your opinion included, having being part of the culture? It's it's sort of a broad, nebulous term. No? All, of the, all of the above, you know? Yeah. And you're right. Um, it is somewhat nebulous. It's all of the above and then some stuff that maybe we can't put a word on. It's a feeling. I think we all have had that experience where you're there, you're tolerated, but you're not welcome. Well, that's that you say it's a feeling. That's where I have a hard time getting my head around the the how you implement or develop inclusion. Because how do you make a feeling? Yeah. How do you make a feeling? How do you fall in love? You know, you've got to really be genuinely committed to it. Um, and I think organizations maybe could follow that. It's got to really be something that you genuinely believe is going to benefit your organization, whether it's um, it provides more sense of culture and community for your people, whether it provides a point of differentiation to clients you're selling to, whether it makes you a thought leader to peer industries, whatever your motivation is. I think you've got to actually have a genuine intent that you're going to make it happen because what is going to be required of you in terms of investing in folks, in terms of your time that you spend with people, and in terms of what you do to cultivate them. It's, it's significant. You know, once you hire, the hiring is kind of the easy part. Yes. <laughs> um, keeping people within an organization and keeping them committed and engaged um, in the work of that organization, that's the hard part. And as leaders, that's where we need to really put our money where our mouth is um, because it requires time as well as dollars to and, develop and pour into people. And it really has to permeate the entire organization it because does. it's not somebody just in the C-suite. If you're at a big organization, yeah. this is something that has to go from top to bottom. It really does, and, and that's why I use that sort of genuine thing. Or It's got to feel authentic. It can't just be, you know, Black History Month, and we serve this, and, you know, <laughs> Hispanic Heritage Month, and we serve that. And, and I get it. There are a lot of organizations that feel like I'm checking that box. I'm doing it. No, um, it's got to be real. And, and the way it shows in this industry when you're bringing people in is, are you really making sure that now I've got this talent? Am I giving them access to the interesting work? 
Am I giving them an opportunity to work with people at all levels of the organization, or do I have them doing media monitoring, you know, over on the side? Am I giving them a chance to have entrepreneurial thoughts about what could benefit our organization? Am I really inviting them to share their full selves? That's sort of a phrase these days, bring your full, full self, self to work. Um, are we really welcoming that, or are we looking for them to subscribe to um, more of a cookie cutter sort of appeal. Are we casting or are we really bringing in people for what they can bring culturally to the table? Right, because that's what we want, right? There, are A lot of people don't want to step on anybody's toes, don't want to say the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. But the reality is that we are talking about making diverse teams so that we have diverse backgrounds, diverse opinions, diverse insights. So mm -hmm. you can't really pretend that everybody's all the, the same. same. You can. I think you see what happens when you do. You know, we see some of the work that hits the, the market, some big campaigns where we all just sort of shake our heads and like, what, what were they thinking? What were they thinking? <laughs> Was there any diversity on that team? Did yes. they even consult anybody before that sort of hit the market? There's got to be 17 layers of approval. And did anybody, you know, right. stand up or was everybody afraid to speak up? It makes you wonder. So I think you've got to be willing to really have those frank and open conversations. It can't really put people in a situation where you're afraid to, to dialogue. I think that's even worse because that's even worse in terms of, you know, what value this talent could add to the organization. And also from the talent's perspective, what am I doing here? Like, well, what's the point, what's right? The point? Because you're hired, we're what's all hired point? for whatever we for bring whatever to the For whatever our unique thing, right. So I think that's a real missing, that's a miss if we, if we don't have those conversations. And it's okay to have that, that, take that extra step. It's not okay, I think it's just, I think it's required. I think I think it's it's required to take that extra step. I think how we do that extra step, of course, should be done professionally. <laughs> and, <laughs> yes. and you know, yes, not, think, you know that the, you think that's table stakes, but you never know. Right. But yeah, I think that it's required. I think just like we take that extra step, if you share um, a university with someone, you know, yes. and you're you're hiring somebody who you know is an alum also from your university, or you belong to the same club, or you're from the same hometown, or whatever. I mean, we all find threads in common. Um, we just have to make sure that we're we're making sure we identify what those threads are because they're there. We're all in this industry, but so maybe we've got to lean in a little bit more to find those threads because I think that that's really important to find those circles where you have those commonalities. That's the first step to having those conversations. And then the inclusion is the natural step to retention. Absolutely. If you feel embedded in an organization, if you feel that your value is seen, heard, and appreciated, if you feel like they've made it known, like, wow, this is how you're contributing to the bigger picture, it's harder. It's harder to say goodbye to that organization, to be really honest with you, particularly for the great unknown. You know, there's a statistic that African-American women are the fastest growing entrepreneur class in this country. So by nature, you know, African-American women, there, there's three things we like to do. You know, we're working during the day, we might have a catering business on the side, and we're helping our husband with his, you know, business, whatever Busy that ladies. is. Busy ladies. Busy ladies, this is why, you know, this is something that happens. So there's an entrepreneurial spirit that can be taken advantage of. And so what I found when I talk to a lot of people, and they've sort of left the agency side of things. Uh -huh. um, or they're in-house and maybe it's just not, it's not really suiting them. So I'm gonna leave and maybe I'm going into consulting or maybe I'm going into real estate or maybe I'm, I'm doing something totally different. They're leaving the industry. Like they're leaving these sort of formal structures to do other stuff because guess what? They're capable, they can, they're creative, they wanna get it off, they wanna you know, do all the things and exploit their talents. But they're finding like, mm, it's not the right environment for me so I'm just gonna go take my talents someplace else. But why, because their talents aren't being used or because they're not 
feeling included because they're not feeling included that that's some of the I'm, I'm not doing a study but I've had a chance to talk to a lot of folks about this topic yes. you know women who look like me mm -hmm. um, why why did you leave it or why did you leave that setting to do it more on your setting and like I get it some of these things are not different than any woman you decide to have a family and you need to sort of switch up your work-life integration right. that's that's valid for any woman but if you also didn't feel well I wasn't really I wasn't going to be given I wasn't given those opportunities to shine I wasn't ever asked to contribute to our top account was X or I was never invited to be on a new business pitch you don't feel like you're really threaded into the success of the organization which makes it easier to be like yeah I can close the door on that this so they need advocates also advocates are so important I think um, when I was coming up, people talked a lot about mentors. You yes. know, you need mentors and role models. and um, Although you need people in those roles to be able to have a sure mentor. Do. You sure if do. they're and leaving, we have a problem. A role model and a mentor doesn't have to look like you. A role model can be a white male. A role model can be an Asian female. You oh, know, like, maybe. that's important. Mm -hmm. Like, we, we can't, it's not so, just because you're a person of color doesn't mean that your role model in the organization has to look and feel like you. That'd be nice to see more people, but that's not necessary. I think it's got to be that person who represents the opportunity and them willing to give you the truth. Sometimes the truth is pretty and sometimes it's not about what you need to do to move forward. But I think an advocate or, you know, I'm calling it even agent now, um, is a different role. You need that person. Agent. You need your own agent. Um, and I wish I knew that you know, coming up in the business. Mm -hmm. I think you need that person who not only sees all those things that your mentor, your role model sees in you, but they're willing to speak about you and position you for opportunities when you're not in the room. You need that person. And I think that maybe people who are not people of color who come up in this business, it's almost taken advantage that they have it. I don't know how many times I've been on the receiving end of put her on the team. She's really great. Mm -hmm. I'm speaking to her. You know, she babysit my kids last summer. I know her dad. And I'm not saying it's all nepotism. It's very much based no, on marriage. But we all know connections help. But we all know connections help. It is. But guess what? Is. Connections are currency. Yes. And so if some of the students, maybe from the HBCUs, if they don't have those particular connections yet in our industry, we can help curb and help them get those connections by finding ways and finding those threads. So that's one thing. I think we, we need advocates and agents, if you will, to speak for us when we're not in the room. It's almost more important than even you know having a mentor at this point. Is that the role of the, the chief diversity officer, or is that the role of the managers, the leaders, the colleagues, the... I think it's more powerful, frankly, if it's those people. Right. It's your, it's your direct reports, it's your colleagues, it's your peers. It's actually a manager who observed you, who doesn't even work with you. The chief diversity officer, of course, plays a very important role for the organization. Um, I think it's more credible if it's those people who actually have P&L responsibility mm -hmm. and, and, and relationships with clients and on teams, because that's in our industry, that's really how you're going to show your ascension. Right. Now, how do you feel about uh, clients mandating a certain percent of a diverse team, um, organizations making it a priority to the point where, the, I don't know if there are numbers and quotas, but yeah. that sort of things, and we don't like that word, quotas. But what about, how do you feel about that? Making I'm fine a, with it. I'm, are I'm, you? I'm so fine with it. Um, it's not even funny. Now, I wish we didn't have to do things like that. Right. I wish it was more organic, that there would be, that, you know, agencies would be staffed with ample 
people of color and different and, and a perfect world. It would right. not, and, and, and I keep saying people of color. It's not just about that, of course. Understood. Diversity goes well beyond people of color. It's people with disabilities. It's making sure that our gender, you know, open gender identification, LBT, LGBT plus. Like I want to make sure that would be ideal if we had such a rich crop of talent and oh they just happen to be super culturally diverse and I'm winning a new account and I can staff it with all the people. Life is good. Life is good. This is the land of milk and honey. I can do whatever I want. It doesn't work that way. Um, and sadly, you know, I think companies now realize maybe because they got the hand slap. Um, well, okay, I got to figure out a way to ensure at least that I'm working towards making sure. And so if they're putting these um, factors and standards in place that X percentage has to be culturally diverse, why the heck not? I think it works well to give those people an opportunity because we've seen decade after decade it's not happening organically. Right, and it's not that far off from what has happened in the past, whether you want to talk about universities, right. whether you want to talk That's about right. public bodies. Yeah, it just so. is uh, the unfortunate fact of the matter That's is the it may have to be forced. Yeah, that's the reality. Until it becomes, what is it, 21 days before something really becomes a habit? I don't know. <laughs> I didn't know like, that. Okay. Yeah, they say it's 21 days before something really becomes a habit. This this is like twenty one centuries. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's not. It's more than twenty one years. Than days, but but have we even tried to do it consistently for twenty one years? Though I don't know if the answer to that is yes. So no. let's see how it feels. Let's check in. Hopefully, it won't take that long. But mm -hmm. let's check in now that we've got these mandates and these programs and these services um, that the largest clients on the planet are mandating, and it should then influence the entire industry because the big ones have to start. Um, let's see what happens. So in we'll meet here in 21 years? years? No, let's hope we're, maybe we meet Before on an that. island someplace. <laughs> we'll we'll be on the private island by then. Hopefully. I like that yes. idea. I like that idea. Sipping a, a cocktail or something. Uh, you're on. Yes. You're on. Um, and it has to be, you also have to have candidates, though, that are willing to be that sort of pioneer in the industry. Or maybe we're not beyond pioneer. I don't want to use that term. Yeah. But I think, here's a, I think that's table stakes, though. I mean, and that's for anybody. You you've got to still source the right talent. Yes. Do I have people who, who've got the goods, who've got the passion, who've got the commitment, and frankly, who've just got the, 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 the tenacity, who wants to be in this business? This is not a business for the faint of heart. No. So I think if you want to be in a service industry, you've already, if you're already hand-raising and you've gone through one of the programs or mm -hmm. you've had a couple of jobs in the industry already, I, I think you've kind of, we're sorting out people who want to be in it versus who don't. Um, I'm considering that table stakes, but you're absolutely right. Pick your talent wisely. You're not picking, you, it, this is not casting. Right. This is really this is recruiting the right talent. We, we use the moniker at our company, RPRS, right people, right seats. And I, I think it's a, it's a thing that you know companies talk about. It sounds simple, but it's not. No, because you need such a multifaceted. You do, and it's not just what the CV says. It is that commitment. It's like that extra oomph, that extra sparkle in somebody's eye because they really want it, or they really are passionate about maybe forging new territory in this industry. That's all stuff that we should use to our advantage. I think. Now you have had a successful career, and continue to. It's not over. You continue I mean, to have a wow, successful you, career. You sunset at me. I'm out of here. So we're we're on the island already. I'm out, I'm You're out done. Of You're done. So it was nice to have you. No. Um, did somebody look out for you, or did you make it happen? I mean, you are a go-getter spirit, obviously. And you know I've, what? A combination. I think as I've matured in this business, I think I definitely have had um, some people who recognized something in me and were good enough to 
A, identify me for opportunities, even maybe before I identified myself for it. Um, I know my very first agency job, which at this point was umpteen, (laughs) more than umpteen years ago, um, I worked in-house at the University of Pennsylvania Health System. I mean, I was an in-house person doing patient relations and community relations and, you know, writing brochures and press releases. And I wanted to go on the agency side and was looking for jobs uh, in Philadelphia, my hometown, and at the time was hired into what was then the largest agency in Philadelphia to work on pharmaceutical business. And the woman who took a chance on me as my first boss in the agency side says, I get it, you've never worked in an agency. And I wasn't coming in on the ground floor. I, I'd gone to school, I'd gone to grad school even, and I had been working a couple of years. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't coming in on the entry level, but she goes, what you can do that I have nobody else who can do, you can write, you can write this stuff. You could take this very technical stuff and translate it into a way that that makes it accessible, that people can understand. Like, you're on my team. Like, I can see that, and I don't know how hard she had to fight for that internally in terms of, well, this person's never worked at an agency, and this person, but she that was something she was willing to go to bat for, and it sort of changed my trajectory because somebody was willing to do that. Right, which was about your talent, not That's about right. your ethnicity. Or it your... wasn't, but guess what? I don't think, I don't think that that was not also a benefit. You know right. that that I that I what I'm also a black woman. I don't think that it's all about again. It's not about the casting. We're looking for the right talent. And wow, maybe there were other candidates for that role, and they might not have looked like me. But she was very much willing to say, "And this is the one that we're going to take." Mm-hmm. So I'm very clear. We've all got talents and special things that we add, but we're not special. Somebody else can do that too. You know. <laughs> so she took that chance, and I so. Yeah, I think it's a combination of people taking a chance, but I also think it's a, it's sort of you, in the absence of that, how can you position yourself um, for that next opportunity? And sometimes that means saying goodbye to an organization to take a new opportunity. So it's a combination of doing those things. Have you had experiences, though, that made you cringe? Absolutely. Many, many. Um, I mean, it's crazy. And I think as, as I evolve and become a better human being. And you uh, are. Yes, as I try. Um, you know, I, you still, it's still a balancing act. I can remember, I can remember some of the more stinging conversations, I, even today. Um, mm-hmm. And I think what, we're, what I try to do anyway is, how can I take the sting out of it and what is the lesson? You know, what it has taught me, what those stinging remarks have taught me is that, A, I'm always going to be a champion for inclusion. So even when I was on the total market, if you will, agency side or working for global agencies, I always made it a point to make sure how can I bring in some cultural diversity onto the team, whether it's at a junior rank, whether it's through a strategic partner or vendor, whether it's through insights and research, like how can we do that? And how can we do that authentically and seamlessly? Um, Just so that nobody else has to be in that situation of being the only one and being on the receiving end of someone's ignorance. That's one thing. Um, I think the other thing that's important is it taught me a lot about the kind of manager I'd like to be. So, you know, mistakes, quote unquote, that were made on me. I don't want to repeat those same mistakes. Trust me, I've made a million other different ones. (laughs) We all have. We all have. But I don't want to make those same mistakes based on bias. And we all have our biases. Right. It doesn't matter which side of exactly. diversity you are. So let's, we all let's have be bias. clear. We all have our biases. But I think being on the receiving end of other people's bias really taught me I will never put somebody in that position because you can't come back from it. No, you can't. You can't. 
Do you think people are afraid, though, to have these conversations? I mean, you're very frank. You speak from experience. You're not afraid to call it like it is. Is, is this the conversation, though, that's really going on in agencies? You know, it's very interesting in our agency, yes. But you know what? There's a comfort level there because we've all, and we are culturally diverse. Not everybody looks like me. Um, but we've all sort of signed on mm -hmm. to this particular type of work. So therefore, maybe there's a little bit of a shortcut to the conversation. Um, in other agencies, I haven't, I haven't had this conversation ongoing. I've had it in response to a particular need. You know, we have an RFP and we need to show yeah. cultural diversity. Um, I've had it in those cases. But it should be more of a routine conversation. It actually should just be more of a fiber of how we want to operate. So maybe sometimes I've been in places where, and this is not even, that they didn't intend this to be, where they feel it's colorblind. Well, no, we're just picking the right team. Yes, a lot of people um, say that. A lot of people say that, and, and that's not the ideal if you're a person of color. Like, no, I want you to, to see me, and I want you to see what I'm bringing. But I think that that's been an experience that I've had over the years where people feel it's colorblind. So I've been very fortunate I've also worked, but I've been very fortunate. I, I've been given opportunities. I've been, you know, placed on great, you know, visible accounts and things like that. Not everybody has that. Maybe that's because I am mouthy and bossy. I don't know. <laughs> but, I don't work for you, but yeah, I don't find you bossy. Maybe that, but you know, but you, you've almost got to maybe have a little bit of that bulldozer approach at times, and not everybody does, or it's got to be cultivated and it's got to be nuanced. And and how do we get people into the industry who may have a different approach? I hear a lot about people saying it's it's we are colorblind. Not in that they're not promoting diversity, but it's still all about the best candidate. Yeah. But there are, as you say, a lot of factors that go into that go into. into the best candidate, and maybe we are still at that point where we can't be colorblind. I don't think we should. Um, I don't think we should be colorblind in that respect. I think also, quote unquote, the best candidate. I mean, how are you defining that, you know? So I think that now, to your point about everything, things becoming a little bit more integrated, maybe now we're starting to appreciate some experience that might not look like somebody appreciated in me that I had that writing skill, even though I didn't come from an agency background. Maybe we're doing more of that now, where we see somebody as a community organizer, or they started their own not-for-profit, that, that's doing well or, or serving kids or whatever it's doing. Now we see, I think that we can connect the dots better when they, oh, I got it, this person, they can get a sponsor, they know how to organize, they're doing this, they're managing a team. I don't think we always did that. I think we were very much looking for a round peg to fill a round hole, and we've had to be more expansive in our thinking, and really expansiveness equals inclusivity. We've gotta look at different people's journey to this table and really honor that because there's some great talent out there. They just might not come from that sort of way that some of us grow up in this industry. One more question. Sure. If you were out there talking to a young recruit, or even not a young recruit, um, a diverse candidate, what would you tell them to expect? <sighs> you know what, honestly, I would tell them what you've gone through, like going through school thus far, expect more of it. Only, because this is not new to right. diverse people. This is not new. This is how you've walked through the world. I think, though, if you were raised or schooled or trained to believe it's a full meritocracy, I'm letting you know that it's not. So I would ask you to really pay close attention, not just to the role models, but find your agent. Um, and really cultivate meaningful relationships, not blind networking, 
really cultivate relationships. That's one thing about our industry, and maybe all industries are like this, I, I don't know, because I've just been in this one <laughs> for, for more than 20 years, but I think that it's, it's a small industry. It's a, it's a large one, but it's small. So the relationships you cultivate are super important because they'll carry you. And in fact, when you look to get ahead, when you look if you should make a move, this is how it happens. And I think this is how people of color or diverse candidates, I should say, not just people of color. This is how you really start to build your circle of influence. So I would ask them to pay as much attention to that as they do on learning in the more traditional sense. And are you hopeful? Very hopeful, very hopeful. Um, being, and maybe it's because of the agency where I'm sitting now, I actually am seeing a higher percentage of diverse candidates just for every position we have, and maybe because people have determined I want to work in that kind of environment or I want to serve those types of consumers. I see a lot of diverse candidates and super cool experience, really creative approaches to what there's everything from what their CVs look like to they've all got a reel, you know, with the podcast they do, with the short film they directed, with the thing they're doing on the weekend, all of which is amazing to see. You know, it's no longer here's the CV and I've done some speaking opportunities. That's like that's basic. They're doing so much more to just show that they're fully rounded, which is the kind of person you want on the team because maybe they're design thinking a little bit more than just sort of traditional comms. They're well, sort it's of creative. It's creative and they're taking everything in their realm from technology to channel strategy to the, the footprint of the customer to come up with the idea. They're not just looking at it myopically or in a silo fashion. That's super exciting to see. I'm glad to see it. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I appreciate your time and Thank your you. input. This yeah. is a lively conversation, and it I enjoyed was. it. I enjoyed it. Thanks so much for having me. My pleasure. You've been listening to The Echo Chamber. Brought to you by The Homes Report and produced by Marketeers. Sponsored by The Bullet Group, putting you in tomorrow's conversations today. Today.